This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today... Today I'm welcoming Erin Karpluck to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, hey. I cannot believe we haven't hosted Erin until today. Her story is intertwined with many of the actors who've appeared on this podcast. People like Stephen Lobo and Carmen Moore and Tom O'Pennicott, who have all shared scenes with her in wildly entertaining work. I know her work. You do, too. Whether it's through her starring role in CBC's Being Erica, which aired for four seasons in 180 countries. Fuck, that's so much. And won Erica... Erin! Oh, my God. And won Erin a Best Actress Gemini Award in 2009 and a Best Lead Actress Leah Award in 2010. Or as Kate, the restaurant manager who experiences an incredible trauma in the Vancouver shot Godiva's. More recently, she's led the Hobby family through five seasons of Family Channel's Holly Hobby, and she's turned in memorable appearances on Debris, Nancy Drew, and Two Sentence Horror Story. And now she's exploring what it means to be married to a sex offender and working through addiction and starting a new relationship as Anna on A Million Little Things. And that's just scratching the surface of Erin's filmography. She has more than 100 credits to her name in an array of genres, from Masters of Sex to A Fixer Upper Mysteries to Ricky Blue to The L Word to Supernatural and to that super fun Rift World Chronicles in which she acted opposite friend of the pod, Tomo. She can handle heavy drama and comedic beats with ease, often within the same role. And people like working with her and people like watching her. So today, let's get to know the human being behind the beloved roles. Move over, Erica. It's time for being Erin. Erin Carpluck, hi. Hi, what a nice intro, thank you. I wow. can't believe I started calling you Erica in in this one paragraph about being Erica. No, but it's perfect. Everyone does. My aunt calls me Erica. I was like, <laughs> you've known me since I was born. Everyone calls me Erica, so yeah. Well, I... I value who you are as a human being, Erin, so welcome. Oh, thanks, Sabrina. Thank you, thank you. That was a lovely intro, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you like it. So I'm going to start with the big question. Mm-hmm. It's Hit the big me. question of the age, especially during a fucked up time. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm doing really good, thank you. <laughs> I'm doing good. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I just 
got back from Mexico. Mm-hmm. I went for um, uh, a friend's wedding, and it was my first trip since the pandemic. I we wrapped a million little things, so it's just the first time I've you know been out unmasked doing doing the stuff, and it was wonderful. It was really nice. So yeah, I have no complaints. I'm off to Toronto next week, doing a renovation. I'm healthy. I'm happy. Life's good. Excellent. Oh, traveling for fun. I know. What's that like? Shocking. It's crazy. <laughs> it's weird because it's almost like kind of like blinking to life, you know, after you've been sleeping. I mean, I, I'm assuming that's what it's like. I've only done like kind of like small little travel things. Was that what it was like, though? You it's know? so weird because like even going back into restaurants, I wasn't sure if it was going to be this huge like I can't it feel if for, at first because when I was doing a million little things, I was really hesitant to go out. I did not want to get COVID. So I was not going to friends birthdays. I wasn't going to restaurants. And then I kind of wondered, like, when I did start going back, would I feel different? But it's kind of like riding a bike. And I got on that plane and I was like, heave ho, I was not wearing a mask in Mexico. I was just doing my thing in it. Kind of like riding a bike, getting back in there. And it just feels good to be around. Like I just said to you as we were off air starting to get to know each other, how nice it is to see you in person, to be around people. And yeah. It, it feels good. It feels yeah, it feels good. But I also have found that, like, my stamina isn't what it was. Like, for going out, like, going to either going shopping or having conversations. Like, I, I my window of, of time where I have the energy is so much smaller now. And I think it's just because I've, like, I've just been inside for so long, you know, and I've been in front of the computer for so long. I so I have it. to, like, think, work up to it. I think I'm learning that I'm much more of an introvert than I ever thought I was. Yeah. And also, like, I, I I got sober two years ago, and that was kind of when the pandemic hit. So I'm, I don't know if that's a byproduct of it, but going to the wedding where I was, like, literally around 50 to 60 people 24-7, I did have to take those times to be like, I'm just going to go for a solo beach walk. I'm just going to go and have a little meditate on a hammock. I'm just going to, you know, bow out a little bit early at night and take that time. It's it's interesting. I didn't, like, just kind of, like... Yeah. And that sounds being, wonderful, though, yeah. you know, that, you, that you're able to... To be in that situation and to know what you need to do in order to ground yourself. To take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, maybe the pandemic forced us as a society to go, to be able to have those times to go inside and, you know, be still. And then coming back into it, how do we adjust? How do we come back into it is, you know, it's up to us. But you're right. It is, yeah, being economical with your energy. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to give you the, as I explained to you before we start to record, uh, I am going to give you the origin story treatment right. today, um, which is hilarious, listeners, because this is after she just said, I hate Marvel, <laughs> I hate sci-fi, I hate Star Trek, I hate, well, you know, whatever. As she's looking at all the various things Your in this podcast lab, full of every, it's I know. the nerdiest office I love it, ever. I love it. Um, but yes, I'm going to give you the superhero origin story treatment because, uh, well, you're like, you're like a superhero. I've en- I enjoy what you do. Oh, so you. so let's go back in time. Okay. Time travel, right? That's like relevant to your to the work that you've done. W- what kind of a kid were you? You know, and like, you know, let, let's go. My kid is eleven right now. I love that age uh, between like nine and eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know. It's like kids are so pure at that age. Like they have yeah. such a like. At least I'm seeing with my kid. She has such a good idea of who she is and what she wants, and she's like so chaotic and pure with her emotions like to the point where I'm like uh oh (laughs) I can see what kind of teenager you're gonna be I need to take a moment so you know when you were in that kind of age range like like paint me a picture oh that's such a nice question um well I grew up in a very small town Jasper 
Jasper in Jasper National Park. The town is 5,000 people. My graduating class was 32 people from the whole town. My mom was the principal. Like, it's, you know, we didn't have acting clubs. There wasn't tons of um, super specific extracurricular activities, but it is a mountain town. So I was very much a tomboy. Grew up playing hockey, like bantam hockey with the boys, skiing, hiking, mountain biking, climbing, volleyball, basketball, student council. I mean, I was outdoors. We lived on Bear Hill, and it's a remote town. So, And I grew up with an older brother who's, mm. I mean, I'm 5'4", he's 6'2", he's well over 200 pounds. Like, there was, like, big mountain boys. Yeah. I kind of grew up, I definitely grew up a tomboy. Yeah. Um, it was a very... I mean, Jasper is an incredible town to grow up in. It's somewhat isolated. So when I did leave, I was like, whew, like there's a whole world out there with, you know, a bunch of different types of people. And uh, But I really credit who I am today and the work that I bring to the camera because of how I grew up. Like super small town, really good values and the friends that I made there that I literally (laughs) knew before grade one and graduated with a lot of them a lot of them are still my close friends and we're so different like one of them works at a organic warehouse and lives with her wife in Poco and my other friend is in um, Cochrane and she's an occupational therapist and another one is on you know she's a single mom on in Victoria and then I'm in you know acting we're so different but we all have this like lineage of growing up in this really special magical place and I try to get home as often as I can because I find that it it really resets me and fills my teacup like just going for walks and being in nature so that's yeah so you're able to tap into that magic then when you yeah so what did you want to be when you grow up then you know when you were that age I always Always since I can remember, I wanted to be an actor. I played make-believe. We played Star Wars. Star Wars? Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. (laughs) See, I like being in them, just not watching it. Like, Mm -hmm. I will be in sci-fi. I will be in... Were you Princess Leia? Were you a stormtrooper? I was Princess Leia. For being a tomboy, I was definitely a girly girl. Um, But I always wanted to be an actor ever since I can remember. And my girlfriend, that's an occupational therapist, we were at the ski hill. And she said to me, I think in grade eight, like, like, what do you want to be? She was going to go to a world college and do all this stuff. And I said, well, I mean, I want to be an actor, obviously, doesn't it? I just assumed everybody wanted to be. And she was like, ew, like, no, <laughs> I want to be an occupational therapist. I didn't even know what that was. And to this day, she's doing that. And I, you know, managed to um, to, to be an actor, which is kind of crazy because, like I said, there was no acting. The University of Victoria accidentally accepted me as a theater major. Accidentally? I expressed interest um, in doing acting classes. I was 17 at the time, so very, you know, quite naive. I applied to U of A, U of C, University of Calgary, University of Alberta, and then UVic. And UVic sent me back some papers and said, you know, why would you want to study theater instead of going to a conservatory program? And I kind of was like, this is weird for a class. Didn't know what I was doing, and I, you know... Filled out whatever, and they said, well, congratulations, you've been accepted to the University of Victoria as a theater major in the Faculty of Fine Arts, to which my mother kind of lost her marbles, because she's like, you're not getting a BFA? Like, she wanted me to kind of, she wasn't sure about the whole acting scenario. As a 17-year-old, I was like, oh, hell, I'm going. So there I go, off to Victoria. And that was far, like, you were leaving Alberta. That's kind of also why I wanted to go, because all my friends were going to, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, and I just, I literally... (laughs) saw the pamphlet and it was on the ocean yeah. and I just was like that's where I want to be and I went and you can do that stuff when you're 17 you're like I'm just going to try it I'm going to do it and then four years later I graduated with a degree in theater and like 
everyone there was the star of their high school plays and I I grew up playing hockey. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. But hey, anyways, you were Princess Leia in Star Wars. In my mind, I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here and it did potentially help me somehow cuz I made it through all 4 years somehow faking it and uh yeah. It's kind of the story. Um, before we move on in the story, you mentioned that your mom was the principal. I know. What was that like? I know. You know what? To be honest, because Jasper's so small, it wasn't really... I liked that she was principal because I could go steal money from her purse at lunch. Oh, yeah. And get french fries. And her secretary was like, hey, Erin. And I was like, hey, Mrs. Wetmore, go and steal $5, go to the activity center and, steal, and get fries. Um, bit nerdy because I was also the junior high president and the senior high president twice. So when we'd have school assemblies, they would announce Principal Dale Karplak and the senior high president Aaron Karplak. And it kind of just felt like we were running the school in a nerdy way. But everyone's so chill. And again, it was such a small town that it was just it was it was fine. But I, I did have to get disciplined once. I got caught drinking at a school dance. <gasps> and then, Yeah. I'm so offended by that. So horrifying. Bush parties, bush parties. (laughs) And then the the vice principal dealt with me. And he, no offense, Mr. Ross, but he was terrifying. Yeah. I would have rather went to my mom, but she was like, no, you're going to to Mr. Ross. So yeah, that's, that was my experience. Yeah. Wow, what a harrowing, a harrowing <laughs> tale. I'm glad I asked. That's so why I'm in therapy and an actor. Oh, my God. <laughs> therapy and an actor. Wow. Yeah. They go hand in hand, I I, I love therapy. Like, I don't know if you're making a joke or not, but I'm such a fan of therapy. I wish everybody got therapy. I, think I go solves, every week. Yeah. I still Zoom my therapist in Beverly Hills every yeah. week. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's, I mean, we go to a dentist for our teeth. We go to a doctor for our body. Why wouldn't you go to somebody for your mental health? It's yes. you know, hugely important. And it can save it can save lives. Yeah. Okay, so I'm recording again. Um, we I don't know if this will make it in, but we had to take a break because all of a sudden we started talking about mental health and then my voice started repeating and repeating, so it was bonkers. Um, so then we realized that we do have to talk about mental health. But no, the weirdest mm-hmm. thing, the worst thing that's ever happened while I've been recording, I introduced a guest, Mayumi mm-hmm. Yoshida, I think it was like 10 episodes in. Um, I, I did my intro and then I like Muppet flailed and I was like, welcome to the podcast and my full cup of coffee. No. You'll notice my mug is behind <gasps> the computer, went right into the computer and um, yeah, I had to get a get a new computer. No. So then she had to come no. back. Yeah, she took video and stuff. She had just she had just done Crazy Eights, so she was like, oh. she was like, oh yeah, if, when weird thing, crazy things happen, you have to document it. I'm like, okay, great. So I have great video of me like, <laughs> uh, just like mopping up. Um, yeah. Oh no, you're expensive. Can I can I sidebar with a computer story? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, Let's sidebar. We've bonded now. We, here we are. We're going to talk about <laughs> mental health. Talk about mental health. Talk about mental health. Repeat. Um. So I so I had a car accident in. December and the only thing that went missing was my laptop. I had a laptop pro. Go to emergency room. It's a whole thing. Like it was really scary. Almost died. Okay, we're we're okay. And then um, as I'm back in Vancouver, as it was, so the car accident was in Alberta. There's three feet of snow. It was minus thirty. Oh. I'm thinking the laptop is gone. As spring is approaching, I keep kind of dropping hints to my family when we're facetiming. Like, hey, if anyone's going to Edmonton and you're around the accident site. Can you just check and see if, you know, there's a laptop emerging from the snow? So I'm working on a million little things. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning, and my mom sends me a text. And it's my laptop case. She's found it. What? And she's brought it home. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then a couple hours later, I get another text from her, and his picture, it 
works. No, I don't believe it. Yes. That's science fiction. Your story science fiction. No, it's the the, the, the truth to this day. It was in the snow, in the cold, yes. in Al- Alberta cold, not yes. Vancouver cold. Yes. Three feet of snow. We couldn't find it. The police couldn't find it. Law enforcement couldn't find it. Bystanders couldn't find it. My family went by twice. We couldn't find it. It emerges. She brings it home. It's revived. I plug it in. So we have a... So then I'm just going to keep blabbering. We have a Ukrainian refugee that's coming to live. My mom's hosting her for a year. Jasper's taken in 18, I believe. 18 or 20. I can't remember the number. Yeah, Karpluk. You're Ukrainian. We're Ukrainian. Jasper's hugely a big population of Koreans. Ukrainians and Greeks, and now Filipinos. But we've got more Ukrainians coming in. So the town is hosting, um, host sounds weird, but you know what I mean. I know what um, you mean. 20 Ukrainian refugees, and they also have employment set up for them. So anyways, long story short, we're, Oksana is our gal coming in. She's in her 50s. She's a reporter, and I don't know if she has a computer, but I'm giving her my computer that can't because I got a new computer, obviously, because I everyone needs a computer. So she's gonna get the the one from the accident, which is actually a better computer. I'm wiping it. She's so long story short, this computer's <sighs> lived, and Oksana from Ukraine is hopefully gonna get a lot of use. And Oksana of it. has lived too. Yeah, I I, I mean honestly, she, just her trying to get her papers to come here. My mom was getting emails from her, and there was chemical warfare that, that was threatening, like the stuff that she's dealing with. And here I am in Mexico. Like it's it's very. There's a cognitive, there is definitely like a cognitive dissonance that yeah. uh, required me Ukrainian as well. I don't know if you could oh. tell from my, my shirt and my tritsiv and my artwork and all the other stuff. Yeah. Look at us here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My family, is, we're the Kipperchucks and the Merchucks. It's all the Ux. Yeah. It's the, the Ux. Ux. Sound like a yeah. car plug. Yeah. yeah. I do Ukrainian. not speak, and I've because people are asking, and I've never been to the Ukraine. My, my parents have, but my baba and they immigrated over. Anyways. Yeah. Do well, speak? there are one point I, I am, I've been learning. Good for well, I was going to say, Lascavo Prosimo Do Wipe Your Screen Scene Podcast. Oh, that my means, gosh. Yeah. I just know Yakshimaya. I don't know a lot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. It's not, it's not too late. I have found, um, I have found, because, you know, I, I grew up, it was like the secret language that my grandparents spoke to each yeah. other, you know, when they were talking about us, you know, or, or their kids. And uh, I just, I, 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 I've always been like sad that I never learned. Same. And you know, uh, earlier this year, uh, in January, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna start learning. And uh, so I, I do every day. I do about an hour on Duolingo. What? Uh, Good for yeah. you. Yeah. And it's what has been amazing though is, I mean, my grandfather died. My Gigi died 20 yeah. years ago, and um, I've never felt. I have not felt closer to him than I have learning the language and also um, me and Adrian Petru we ran this event we raised $37,000 for Canada Ukraine fund oh, so between that you. and raising can... money like wow but learning the language one Ukrainian is beautiful language it is you know and two I feel like my blood memories awakened somehow <gasps> you know it's like holding up a, a seashell to my ear there's something familiar about it it took a while and like you know you do you have to learn like all of the you know like you know talk and tom and you know day and all that kind of stuff first but then like i'm like oh oh it made this makes sense this makes sense because it's 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 hard but i'm committed you know i figure it's like another act of resistance i'm to learning so the language. impressed just an hour a day of dedication an hour yeah sometimes more um, sometimes less, 
like the the week that Russia uh, invaded, I I did like like three hours a day. Like yeah. I was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna learn because like I would love to to host you know an Oksana too. Yes, you know, or like or at least like be a person that can help, um, you know, take somebody shopping or you totally. know like. Totally. Do you have anyone that you can speak it with? Because I always find that's the... Okay, great. Yeah. Because I know my baba, she would come... She had seven children. When she would come and stay with us, uh, there was a woman in town, Anna Bartoszewski, lots of Ukrainians in Jasper, and Mm -hmm. she would come over and they would just... Hours. And they'd make homemade bread and my baba would braid her. Like, I have all these memories of the bread and them talking and I had no idea what they're saying, but it was so soothing and nice. But she liked it because no one else spoke. Like, Mm. none of her seven children, my dad and his siblings spoke they could understand but they didn't speak it so yeah well I think that that speaks to a lot of the like one the racism that Ukrainians face especially that generation when they came over I guess Mm -hmm. our grandparents are about the same generation maybe they came in like the 20s or the 30s right you know so and then this also this kind of push to be like we just want to be like we want our kids to to be Canadian. We want our kids to like have the best, you know, to really integrate themselves and, you know, but I totally. feel like I feel a little bit, you know, like something's been lost, but it's not lost forever. It is something that we can get back. So. Well, good for you for keeping it. Yeah. Al- I'm, I'm certainly not learning a language, but you're inspiring. I did have to, to the point of racism with the name change. I know with my, when my family came over, my dad's oldest brother, who is he's now passed, but when he... He came over, they, they made them change the names so that they were more understandable. Mm. But dad and the rest of them kept Carpluck. And one of the very first shows I think I did was Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. I played their daughter on an MOW in Calgary. And the director pulled me aside and he said, you know, Aaron, I'm really concerned about your career. I think you should change your name. Get and, the fuck out of here. Yeah, no. And Mary Steenburgen is not a show name. She overheard this. She lost. She's the nicest lady in the world, but she lost it. She was like, don't you ever, Aaron, don't you ever let anyone change you. Don't you ever let anyone change your name. Your name is great. Like, so, and I was in my 20s, so it was really nice to have that. And so, yeah, I'm a car pluck. I'm a car pluck. And actually, like, um, David Gentoli, who plays Eddie on A Million Little Things, he's always like, car pluck, car pluck. It's catchy. I love, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love to hear that. I was wondering if we were going to talk about Ukrainianness today. And um, and we did. Yeah, so. I'm really proud of you. I think that's great yeah, that you're learning. Yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, see, got, got a few, got a few words. I can also uh. say, I mean, I'm good with all the the food stuff too, like khleeb, mued, borscht, borscht. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally Kutcha. the same. We yeah. have a new. We always Kapusta. have Ukrainian Kutcha, perehe, perehe. Yeah, bereneke. I mean, everyone yeah. knows the perehe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My waistline knows the perehe. Yes, yes. Oh my god, I've eaten so much. I know. Got a Kozak in Gastown. I have not, because I haven't been going out, but now that oh, I'm not yeah. working, I'm going to go and do all the things. Go, okay, we'll talk Ukrainian okay. stuff after, okay? Okay. 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 What are, we, we were talking about mental health. And then and then when that special effect <laughs> weirdness happened, we were like, is that the universe saying that we need to talk about mental health? I don't know where we left off with that. You know what? I, I'll, bring, I'll bring us somewhere. Okay. I don't know where I'll bring us, but... I like it. Let, Tell me about your first time on set. You know, how did you get there? What do you remember from it? And what mistakes did you make? Oh, my God. I still make mistakes on the daily. <laughs> so when I was at UVic, and here's the thing. I got a degree in theater. I might get ostracized for saying this. I don't like theater. I've always wanted to do film and television. Yeah. I mean, I, the theater that I do like, I like Shakespeare. 
Mm. But contemporary theater, I just, I always, I like being on a film set. I like that you're actually in the environment and every day it's something new. Like I couldn't be on Broadway doing Cats for 20 years. I, I'm so glad that there's people that can. Anyways, my first yeah. experience on film and television was a day on set was at Uvic. There was a show called Seven Days Filming and they needed someone to play LaSalle's wife. So they auditioned three of us girls from the theater department. Sid Kozak, who was a oh, yeah. casting director that I think people are familiar with. I'm quite, yeah. So he cast me and I was very excited. I didn't have an agent. He said, we're gonna pay you $600, which is probably what the day rate was, whatever. And for me, that was six nights of waitressing at whatever restaurant I was working at. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. So on the day I drive my little Honda to Esquimalt and I show up and I say, oh, I'm here. I'm playing someone's wife. And he's like, oh, you're background holding, go over there. So I went to background holding and it's super cold and we're in a warehouse. And I was there for probably 40 minutes just chatting with people. And and the someone comes up and they says, okay, uh, you guys are your background. You don't talk to the director, don't make any noise, da da da, it goes through the rules. And I just ha- put my hand up and I was like, oh, hi, um, I have a couple lines, I say. So at this point, I'm now 45 minutes late for hair and makeup. I've never done this before. And he's oh. like, oh my God, are you Aaron Carpluck? And I was like, yes, he's like, come with us. But then everything changes and they're like, hello, Miss Carpluck, right this way, here's your trailer. Would you like some breakfast? Would you like some hot coffee? And I'm like, oh, could get used to this. Go into hair and makeup, I get pretty makeup on, I get clothes. I go out to set I meet the guy one of the leads and I'm playing his wife of yonder I have a terrible southern accent I'm doing by the way (laughs) hilarious and I'm too short so we're I'm saying goodbye to him as he's going onto this big naval ship it's like a big grandiose money shot for them and they had to build a little rampway bridge for me because I'm so short so as you know the construction guys are building this little bridge so they can kind of pan along as I'm saying my lines I see all my buddies from background holding and they're over in the corner drinking cold coffee and I've got like a fancy chair and blah 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 anyways um we do the scene and I wrap out and I go sit in my Honda Accord and I just, it was as clear as, and it, 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 my acting is the one thing in my life, it's like an invisible path, I just always follow. There's never been a hesitation, there's mm. never been a plan B, there's never been a doubt. I grabbed the steering wheel of my Honda Accord and I just remember saying, I have to do this for the rest of my life. And not a day goes by, 20 whatever years later, I'm still doing it. And like where a day goes by, even if it's like not the greatest show or whatever, I'm like, I always have fun and I'm always like, wow, I'm living my dream. And then it brings you to things like A Million Little Things and David Gentoli, who's, you know, he's was the lead of his series, Grimm. He looked to me and he's like, Carpluck, we were at a UBC filming and there was magnolia trees bursting and we've got three cameras running and it's, you know, it's... It's kind of like the dream job. And he looked at me and he's like, this is pretty great, hey? And I just like, I had that kind of moment of like, oh my God, here I am 20 whatever years later, still doing it. And I still feel that same excitement that I felt on that day in Esquimalt. And it's not because I made it sound like you're treated like growth. It's a lot of work. Like it's not glamorous. It's a lot of long hours. It's so much rejection. It's you know you don't have a pension it's it can be very stressful there's the the red carpet side of it there's the publicity side of it there's the auditioning side of it there's a lot of things that you have to kind of um do on top of the thing that you love doing which is actually being on camera telling the story and being a storyteller so all that to say it's just been like it's been a wild ride and that was my first day on set and I'm so grateful for that because I was like I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And I did everything in my power for the next five years. I said no to everything and anything that stopped me from 
coming between that and my dream, my bliss of being an actor. So, yeah. yeah. So was that was that day the dream come true, or was that day the confirmation that this was the dream for you? I think that that was the confirmation that this was the dream for me because then. So many times in my life, I've had the confirmation where, or not the confirmation, but the actual like, whoa, I'm doing this. Like yeah. doing, being Erica Godiva's, certainly my first series, I, you know, I was very fortunate to start working quite quickly. And then I remember I got the call that said, you know, we have this series lead for Godiva's. Gary Harvey was in the room, mm. Julia Keatley, Michael McLennan, and it was for a series lead. And I was like laughing because I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to get this. I was not nervous at all. They wanted the character to be like super uptight from Toronto restaurant manager. I don't do really like I'm I just did what I did with it and yeah. I never thought I'd get it. So whatever I did, they really liked and I got the part. I think probably because I didn't have the pressure of thinking, oh, my God, I can actually get this. I'm nervous. I'm I'm, you know, so doing Godiva's and like sitting across from Lobo and Sonia Bennett and Carmen and being like, holy shit, like. I'm a lead of a series. It was yeah. an ensemble cast, but we're like, you know, leads. And then again with being Erica, I just, it like outer body experiences of looking around at the cast and crew and, you know, with Michael Riley doing all the time travel stuff and yeah. the special effects and being like, holy shit, I am doing this. And, you know, the personal experience for me and then also having people, like you mentioned, 180 countries in the world. You get, I have had a lot of people, even to this day, like on flights and stuff coming up and saying you know that show changed my life my mom was dying of cancer when, when we watched it when she was dying and it really bonded us I went and found my biological father because of that show a woman recently reached out and said being Erica led me to get my billboard in Times Square of her art like it just like stuff like that gives me goosebumps because that's why I like storytelling to try to like when I went through a hard time when I was young my parents are getting divorced I sought refuge in three's company it was escapism for me but i just remember feeling Jack like Trooper. yeah it just helps people like and so all these things with acting it's like personally i love it because it's like i'm a child doing make-believe and then also if it, if i can affect or inspire change or motivate someone that's all i'm here to do in this life really yeah. i really believe that so Blah, 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 blah. But there, yeah. <laughs> I love the blah, blah. That's what we do here. And we will speak more about the specific roles that you mentioned, um, Kate and Erica, as well as Anna. Uh, but before we do it, let's talk about challenges then. Mm -hmm. You know, as you have pursued your dream, lived your dream, what kind of challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? I think, obviously, like I touched on rejection. It's yeah. funny because, like, I mean, I'm 43 now, and when it comes to professional rejection, I'm like, I'm really good at this, because I learned. So just to give an example, when I was in my 20s, Corner Gas, they were casting Corner Gas. Um, if you don't know it, it's a quite a popular Canadian television show. Yeah, we've had Brent on the show. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So Tara Spencer narrating her part, it was like a, a female police role, and I remember, you know, I was I was up for it, and I had several callbacks, and I was quite young, and I thought, oh my god, this is this could be amazing. It's a Canadian series, I could shoot in Saskatchewan. My dad lives there. Like all my eggs in one basket, bright eyed, want to get it, want to get, it. didn't get it, and Tara nailed it, smashed it. So happy she got it. But for honestly, it was it was like my first heartbreak. I was like, I couldn't understand. I was like devastated and. Da, 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 da. Cut to years later, I'm at Toronto International Film Festival and I'm talking to Tara Spencer Naring and to Gabe Miller. 
wonderful gals. And yeah. they're at that point, I don't know if it was the end of Corner Gas or they were doing the animated version yeah. at this point. Like it was like, there. it's a machine going. And I think I was on my second season of Being Erica. And I remember talking to Tara and being like, in the back of my head, I was like, oh my God. If I would have got Corner Gas, I never would have got Being Erica. Yeah. And Being Erica for me for my journey was so right. Like she, it's all spectrums. The rainbow that I get to play it introduced me to Toronto, to lifelong friends, to that particular journey. So I took in that moment, knowing it took me years to realize why I didn't get that role. Mm. And from there on in, and like I lost two series last year. Um, like went to callback phases. And sure, for the first day, you kind of feel like you got punched in the the face and then you you lick your wounds and I'm usually done in a day because I really firmly believe that what is meant for you won't pass you by mm. and you know not getting roles the directors and the producers they know what's best for the role and all you can do like I am not in competition with Carmen with Sonia with Michelle Harrison with all these wonderful women in Vancouver because we're all good actors we can all do the job but the only competition that I really have, I've learned this, is with myself. Because mm. not even Meryl freaking Streep can do what Aaron Carplet can do. So yes! as long as I'm bringing oh, to I the table it. me and what I can do and doing the best interpretation of my role, that's all I have to do. And then from there, it's not my business. If the director's like, you know what? We like Sabrina's take on this better than Aaron's. Boom. Not And then something's around the corner. And just to kind of roll with that. So that was a big challenge I faced in my 20s. Other ones are like... You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of auditioning. It's it's kind of like a brutal, archaic thing. If I love the role, if it's a comedy and it's my wheelhouse, I, I have so much fun. But if it's just like 20 pages of medical or sci-fi jargon, it's it's stressful. You're in Your of, contempt for sci-fi has been duly noted, Carplock. Sabrina's going to kick me out of here. <laughs> but like that's a, that is a challenge, is that kind of stuff. But, but I've learned as I get older just to kind of like embrace it, do the best you can. It sucks not having a pension. It sucks not knowing when the next role's coming around. It's interesting being a female aging. That's something that, you know, you kind of hit the mom role phase and you're like, ah. Oh. And if there's a point where you, you know, I've been very lucky to be the lead of Canadian series. I've never had the lead of an American series. And I had a manager in L.A. flat out say, well, Aaron, if you haven't had an American lead at this point and you're in your 40s, like, good luck. And I was like, thanks. And then I started working a bunch and ha ha ha. We're not together with that guy. But oh, my um, God, he's. Go fuck yourself, whoever that guy is. It's, I mean, it's just... <laughs> but he's not listening because we're two women in our 40s. They Probably yeah. not. Probably not. <laughs> but there is that... There's still very much that uh, is to getting, deal with. Is it getting better? Have you... No, and not even the aging in, as a woman, but just being a woman in the industry. I you know, you've honestly... You've been doing this for a while. Yeah. What, what do you think? Is it, is it is it getting better? Is, is, it, a, is it as... I'm assuming as hostile as it as it's ever been, or as um, I don't know. I'm making assumptions. What is your experience? Been? My experience is um, since the Me Too movement, I've personally noticed a huge difference. Everyone's checking themselves. Everyone, you know, and also with you know pronouns with Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and for me, obviously, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a white female. I've noticed since the Me Too movement uh, a lot of change, actually. Mm. And, and I notice on set, I'm working with a lot more female directors. I'm working with a lot more diverse directors and actors and also storylines that are more LGBTQIA um, inclusive. Um, you know, last year I played um, two Karens and a flat-out racist. 
Like this is like changing with the times, right? And I'm like, yeah. okay, here I am. If I'm a white actor, like 12 years a slave, someone's got to be playing the bad guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, if this is what I have to offer to the story in order to tell it, in order to evoke change or to inspire people or whatever, this is what I'm doing. But it's interesting as the times change, like Me Too as a woman with Black Lives Matter, um, how the stories are also changing. So I do notice a change. I have talked to some of them, and I actually shouldn't speak to this, but I think that there's still room for improvement. Oh, hell yeah. For, you know what I mean? But I, I, I definitely have. Like, you don't have... I've had horrible experiences in my 20s on, you know, with first ADs calling me, like, baby tomato and sweetheart and hey, honey, and this and that and sit on your... Yeah, sorry, baby tomato? Yeah. Yeah, I had this one first AD. He was... He would call me baby tomato. And the director on the film, it was another one shooting in Calgary, came up and he said, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this person calling you baby tomato. And I was 20. I didn't... I was so naive and didn't want to ruffle feathers. I was like, oh, you know, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then it wasn't, and actually that idea was very problematic on that show. Yeah. And um, he was up for an interview for Godiva's, and the PM, Gigi, came and said, hey, if there's anything you need. And I flat out said to her, I was like, I don't ever want the actors working with this person. And he lost his interview. Yeah. And I, I did run into him years later, um, and I don't think he recognized me or remembered me. But I remember being like, but it, it, it took me... There's a lot that happens in your 20s you don't know. Yeah. that. You but you spoke up, and I love that. And I love that it kind of connected to what you said, you know, Mary Steenberg, when she was mm -hmm. just like, you know, you know, no, you, Aaron, you have to, you know, keep your name and don't let people tell you. Like, it seems like as you've gone on, like, you've come into your power as a as a Ukrainian woman, you know? <laughs> you do, you have to, yeah. you've got it, because there's no one gonna be advocating for you when you have 50 people staring at you and they're like, take your top off, take your top off. Yeah, You've gotta be able to say no, because you know what? Once it's on camera, that's that's there forever. Yeah. And and and, it, and, it, and also with like union stuff, like I've, um, I mean, I don't wanna get into like, I don't wanna throw anyone under the bus, but I've worked on shows where there'll be union things being broken or whatnot, or maybe mm. younger child actors not, you know, and I'll definitely say, I will say something uh, at this point, because I find that you're actually respected more when you say no, yeah. than when you're just like, sure, sure, okay, sounds good, oh, sorry, like, we'll do what you so sure, I'll do. No, you just say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And they can't argue with that. Yeah. And I also just know, like, you don't want to be problematic on set. And if you agree to do something, you can't show up on the day. And, like, if you agreed in your contract to take your shirt off and you're on, on the day, you're like, I'm not taking my shirt off. Well, you signed the contract, sweetheart, so take your shirt off. But yeah. so when I go into things, I really, when I take roles going into it, I'm like, where is the shooting? Who am I shooting with? What is the project? What is the role? What is my time commitment? What am I getting paid? Like all the things that I have to consider. What is the story? What is the story I'm putting out into the world? What is this demand of me? And to make an informed decision. Because when I say yes to something, I want to go all in, yeah. right? So like even, you know, last year playing the part of a racist, it was, it was, it was, it was one that I really had to have pause and I talked to the executive producer and I talked to the director who was black and all the actors are black and that's a part of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it because I was like I've never had that opportunity before I hope I do again mm. I don't know if I will and but it was something that I took very seriously and looked at the you know what I mean so it's just like having and you get that through experience I mean and I've learned from other actors that have 
Kevin Smith is an actor in town. He's taught me some wonderful things. Jason Priestley mm. taught me really important things about like kind of advocate and stand up for yourself because it's important. Like again, don't be a dick. I'm not saying that, but it's really hard when you're staring at 50 people. The pressure of a producer and a director saying, "Do this, do this, do this," to be able to stand your ground and be like, "I'm not comfortable with that." Yeah. 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 I like you a lot. Aww. I like everything you're saying. I, I agree with you completely. Um, I'm thinking about uh, Kate mm-hmm. on Godiva's uh, while you're talking. I was listening to you totally, but I was I was thinking about you know the fact like and I mentioned it in the intro. I mean, Kate uh, experienced date rape on yes. the show. Experiences in this trauma, um, you know, which I mean it. Could, <laughs> sexual violence on screen that's tough right and yet you know it's I say this as a survivor of sexual violence like I don't like watching it but it's important to see representations mm-hmm. it's important to you know to, to see the survivor's journey it's important for for uh, men and people who, who are possibly complicit you mm-hmm. know um, to see it as, as well what did that storyline mean to you what did you hear from viewers? Like, tell me about your experience with that. Oh, it's so much, hey? It's important to, like, those are those are not the roles that you just want to jump in and do, but you know it's important. Yeah. And so when I sign on to them, I'm going full in. I will be honest as an actor, it was a whole lot easier on that day for me to do that scene than it was for Matthew Harrison, who played, who's the actor that played the guy that had to do that to me. And it was very, very hard for him. And much like, it was much harder for me to play a racist last year than it was for me to play the victim of something. Mm. Um, it's... It, which is which is interesting like to for me to be the perpetrator is harder to yeah. be the attacker to be so like like you know so there's a certain because you're of, not that in real life right yeah. right and then you know not that I want to be the victim but literally like Matthew and I we had to have this like code of trust where I'm like you really ought to go for this guy because you need to do these things to me in order for to evoke what I need to in order to be able to reach through the television screen and identify with people yeah. that have been victims of this or have or need to learn from this so um there there's just like there's a lot of trust that has to happen on set. Um, as an actor, you have to have a very low resistance and be open to that vulnerability to being that person, whether it's like, like it, it, it was much, like I don't know how this is going to sound, but it was easier for me to play a rape victim than it was for me to play someone that kills black people. Like, hmm. hands down. I was like, I was... I was sick to my stomach, and I, you know, I talked to Romaine Waite, who is the actor that I worked with on this particular project, and he, there was just, and with a director, and it was just a lot of trust and a lot of vulnerability. But at the end of the day, when I went in there doing this, I had to bring it to him too, so that he could be a victim of racism, so that that's the story that. Yeah. Does that? Does yeah, that make I sense? mean, you're, you're, I mean, it's serving a, a purpose, right? Yeah. You're, you're serving the story. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's hard, and it's it's. Um, the the one role I played in Slasher, uh, my daughter is abducted, uh, taken, and raped, and then we feel disappeared and killed. And so I am left to deal, and then my husband is blamed for it, and then he kills himself. Like, this is deep, deep. Jesus. Yeah, and so this is the one role in my life. Aaron, uh, Aaron Martin, who is, our sh- who is our showrunner and creator, one of the creators of Being Erica, he his next series is last year and he offered this role to me and, and my agent's like oh Aaron's doing a new series and he's offering you a role and I was like oh what is it you know I'm his Erica right and it's and she's like it's Heather Peterson 
once beautiful, but now crazed and haggard. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what the what? And then I read it and I was like, wow, this comes with a, like a monster responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful that he's like, well, yeah, Aaron, like people just think I write, you know, uh, soapy stuff, but I'm doing this because I'm a good writer. And he's like, you're a good actor. You've done the Erica thing. I know you can play Heather. So I had a coaching with David Rotenberg. I went deep and dark. I was like as method as I will ever be. She, you know what, my character was a hoarder. The shame and the guilt from the women in the town of like letting my child be abducted. All It was so dark and heavy that I w- went into it. I gave it everything that I had, but I've never been more happy to leave a character. Mm. And same when, when I was playing the racist. I was like, goodbye, like out, did that. It wasn't... You know, it was, and, and even the Nancy Drew episode, we dealt, we dealt, it was a very serious episode where we're corralled in a police corral and there's five of us are, are suspects of killing a black woman. And that is such a good episode. It was, you could have heard a pin drop on set that morning we did it. It yeah. was like you know, the amount of, I, I feel, respect that people had. I was, it, it was the most somber day on set I've ever had. And what the actors brought and the people brought to it, I, I was I, w- I was worried about how it was turned out, but then I watched it and I was like, okay, okay, this came across. And, yeah. Because you want to be sensitive. It's, it was such a smart episode. It, it was, no, I don't think I breathed <laughs> watching it. I didn't either do it yet. I was like a week, I was like, ah. Yeah, thanks for watching. Thank you for watching that. I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, Nancy Drew. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just it's so smart. It features our local stars really wonderfully, and I think Kennedy is like a really wonderful like Kennedy McMahon, like a wonderful lead, a wonderful number one, right? Like that's she's what lovely. Yeah. she's so generous on set, and she's like wise beyond her years. She's like probably about in her twenties. I'm in my 40s, and she was, like, giving me life advice, and I was like, wow. Like, she's... She's a real deal. She's yeah. Nancy Drew. She's Nancy freaking Drew. Yeah. Yeah. You can swear my podcast if you want. Look at me. I'm, like, yeah. censoring. I just, you can tell I just finished a children's show. Yes! Nancy frick frackin' Drew. <laughs> no, it's fucking... You can say fucking. Um, okay, I don't want to leave Erica mm-hmm. behind just yet. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I love her. I love her, too. And... and and everything that that she was put through or put others through. Mm-hmm. T- tell me about the the ways. Well, okay, first let's talk about being the face of a, sh- a hit show and the number one. Like, what kind of responsibility was associated with being in that role? It's funny because I've been asked that, and you know, friends, family will be like, "Aren't you nervous? Like, this is a but you're you you're leading a show." For me. When I am the lead of a show, I feel so free because everyone is like, like you're driving the ship, right? So yeah. if you want to go left, everyone's like going left, going left, and they're they're supporting you and they're going along. It's like you're hosting the party. You're relaxed. You're at ease. You're artistically free. I get quite like a million little things is very stressful for me because it's not my show. It's there's like ten characters. It's already established. It's you know it, it's a mer- I was they everyone was wonderful, but I was like Aaron, don't fuck it up. There, I swore. I was like, don't fuck Thank it you. up. You I gotta go on. It. You need to like you know be word perfect. Do honor the words. Honor these characters. And really like, I know my place when I go into that show. I'm there to support David Gentoli's characters. And like it then it, I mean we'll get to it. But it became so much more. But like I knew I knew my place in the show. When you're the lead of, for me at least, if I'm the lead of my own show, it's like home. I would rather work 18-hour days than come in for three hours a couple days a week. Like, I love being the workhorse. I love being, 
like the director has the vision to tell the story as the lead actor you're the one and you're the one telling it and yeah. I, that's where I thrive I jam I feel I feel at home and so it doesn't feel like a lot of responsibility for me it's actually being like guest stars on things where I go on and I'm like Ugh! like get your shit together carp like it's somebody else like don't you know don't make a mess in someone else's home just leave it cleaner than when you left it and get in yeah. and get out so but I mean my friend Reagan Pasternak who played Jillian, Jillian yeah. on uh on uh, being Erica, she's like Kirby, Kirby. Like I just know, I just, I just, I just really like. If you knew her, this is how she does. Yeah. I just really like. I, I, I like coming in. You know, I like, I like hanging out with my son Milo, and then I like coming in for a couple of days, and then leaving. I don't want to be the lead. Like I really don't want to be the lead. And we're so opposite. So it's a good thing that there's actors that like being the workhorse, and some that just like dip in, do their thing, dip out, go hang with the family. Bob's your uncle. But, yeah. Yeah. Bob is your uncle. Yeah. Okay, I got a sci-fi kind of question for you because it was a sci-fi show. Ooh. So. For people who haven't listened, watched the show, and seriously, it's out there. You can fucking watch it, and you'll love it. It's in 180 countries. Find it. Um, it basically involves time travel as therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the conceit of the show. Given the opportunity, mm-hmm. would you go back in time to change things? Anything in your life? Whoa! You know what's trippy? Obviously, doing this show, I've been asked that. Like, would you change your yeah. gut? And I've always said no, because how things were meant to be is exactly which brought me which brings me today to be sitting opposite you to be having the story that someone's going to listen to and maybe it'll change their day somehow yeah. for the better so I've always said no things happen for a reason I was meant to make the mistakes that I was meant to make because hopefully I learned from them or didn't and then had to go down that rabbit hole again until I learned from them to bring me to where I am today and I'm actually very happy and grateful for my life and but uh, there is one thing in my life recently since being Erica, like in the last year that happened that I wish I could go and redo and hmm. I can't. So I don't know that I want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but it's something personal that happened that I was just like, I would be curious to see what would happen if I did that differently, but I can't. Yeah. So I grow and move forward through that and know that that was my journey and just to try not to repeat that or, yeah. or whatever that was meant it was meant to, it, like I said it's meant to be so yeah. yeah I mean being Erica like the lesson of being Erica and also of a lot of great sci-fi which honestly you should give it a chance sometime Erin <laughs> you know is that is is that we need all the hard stuff to get to who we are and we even really if do. we go back to change stuff you can't like you can't yeah. you, you might change stuff but like you need to get to where you are 100% you know? and nothing in life that's worth it is easy I just yeah. learned like it's like this last year, I had a car accident. I almost lost my dad uh, a couple months ago. Mm. Like big, big hitting things. And I'm like, it's how you, like a lot of adulting. And, yeah. and you know, it's it's how, I always just think like when I go to bed at night, when I close my eyes, I look back on the day and I'm like, how did I handle that? How did I deal with that? Looking outside of it and I'm like, I could have, maybe I didn't need to snap show on that construction worker. They were just trying to, maybe I could have gave my dad an extra 10 minutes on the phone. Mm. And had some more patience sorting out his effing FaceTime. Maybe I could have, you know, just yeah. like whatever, whatever it is. Or, you know what? Good for me for knowing that I was, I needed a cup of coffee before I dealt with the contractor giving me all the bad news. Or like, yeah. or good for me for taking uh, two seconds to like take a deep breath and ground myself before what it, yeah, yeah, just so. Forgiveness is huge though. It, it and just, forgiving yourself is huge. Yeah. You know, especially when you're looking at at your past and mistakes what about joy you know where where do you derive your joy and what what role does joy play in your work 
honestly, it, it became so clear to me during the pandemic that nature is my joy. Nature, being outside, walking in nature, being with friends in nature, breathing it in wherever. Like during the pandemic, I was in Los Angeles and Black Lives Matter. Um, George Floyd died. And obviously, I'm 100 million percent behind that. But the climate of where I was at, I'm also a white, privileged female living in West Hollywood. There's no threat or harm to me. But mentally, um, I'm a small town girl from Alberta. There was helicopters above my place 24-7. There was fires. There was riots. There was looting. Trump brought in the National Guard. So then there was tanks and soldiers and guns and curfews. And I went to get cat food. And there was a soldier with a semi-automatic weapon outside my place. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't have health insurance. I wasn't working. My mom's like, come home. Sue Jasper. I put the cats in the car. I grabbed another actress. We, everyone, like, fled back to Canada. And, um, and again, just to reiterate, of, of course, I'm behind Black Lives Matter. And, you know, came back to Canada. And just the nature, like, being in Jasper, it was such a different climate for me. But when I was in L.A., I would take my 20 minutes and I'd still go before curfew and, like, walk and just like the flowers the trees the fresh air getting to alberta doing the same thing i just realized that how important it is for me and my mental health mental health mental health mental health no to, <laughs> to like get outside and breathe the air ground yeah. myself and like so grateful and blessed to live in kitsilano and to go home to jasper yeah. and you know when i am in los angeles to you know whip to Fryman canyon and when i'm going to toronto next week i do my trillium park walk and mm -hmm. just like ground myself for me that's everything for my mental health for my physical health uh and well-being it's anything to do in nature 20 yeah. minutes if you're having a shitty day i guarantee you this this is one thing i know one thing i know for sure if you're feeling gross bad mentally physically whatever get your shoes on walk for 10 minutes in one direction turn around and come back yeah it will change you. You will never regret it. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And if you end up along the way stopping for an ice cream, that's even better. That's okay. You road trip with your cats? I know that's not the takeaway from from that at all. But like, what? Was, I have two cats. I can't imagine driving from LA to Alberta or or three BC. days. Oh my three god! Three days. The little guys were in there. They, I mean, I had. Did a you bear, have a kitty litter in the car or like? I had a very massive dog cage in West Hollywood. Oh. There's dogs everywhere, so someone was gave me this massive dog cage. I put in the back of the car so they could stand up and walk around. And I didn't drug them though. I do feel you have to do a plane ride. I don't ideally like traveling, but their mom has this wacky lifestyle, so here we are. Um, but yeah, I had litter litter in there, which I think they're too terrified they don't use. And then we I get a pet friendly hotel at night, and they would oh good idea run around. And the girl is fine. She as long as she has food, she could give a flying fart. What's going on? And then the bo the little boy is missing a leg. He had a traumatic start to life. Yeah, he's a tripod. He's a little tripoder, so he gets a little skittish, but like. They're resilient. They, as long as I'm with them, and that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I've been watching. I mean, I've been following all sorts of accounts, um, Instagram accounts of people doing work on the ground in Ukraine, and like the most heartbreaking and also my favorite ones are the ones with like animals being rescued, you know, from Bucha and from Kharkiv. But like these cat, these like cats are like they're pissed. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like they're pissed. Like they get rescued and they're fine. They bounce back and whatever, but they're like they would they would like cut Putin's throat with their claws. Like they are oh my gosh, there are some great ones that are just like fuck you. <laughs> like like I can't believe that this is what we're dealing with. All right, let's talk about Anna on a million little things. Um Anna is the uh 
wife of a sex offender. Um, I think when we meet Anna, we don't know this. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. Learns it. Not into it anymore. Uh, begins a relationship with Eddie. And listeners to the podcast will remember that Eddie was run down in a hit and run by previous podcast guest Rachel Nichols. Oh, um, she's lovely. Yeah, right? she's pretty great. Yeah, she's pretty great. Um, she doesn't run down people she, in real life. Not though. in real life. Yeah, yeah not in real life. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Anna and Eddie begin a relationship, both struggling with addiction. So tell me about what are some of the things that you've got to do in this role that you haven't had the chance to do before and and where are you getting your joy oh my goodness such good questions good questions well so the part this is one of those things that actors dream about and like a lot of times when you audition for something they'll be like has potential to reoccur could be a bigger role and you're like yeah 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 I'll see it when it happens so when I auditioned for this it was literally they gave me lines a lot of times in auditions they'll give you lines that have nothing to do with the story because of NDA they don't want plot lines getting out whatever Mm. so I auditioned for this as a mother to a child that's bullying another child. Anna and Peter don't have children. Yeah. I get the role. Then DJ Nast, who is the creator, executive producer, wants a FaceTime with me, which, like, what executive producer ever does that? I was like, okay. And he explained to me the subject content that we were going to be doing and asked if I was comfortable with it, said we have female directors on set, a female writers doing, like, he was so thorough and thoughtful and yeah. I was like I'm 100% on board this is you know I'm, I'm happy to be part of this so then Andrew Leeds plays Peter and we do the storyline and then I go away to Toronto to shoot Holly Hobby thinking my character's pretty much you know they've they're gonna you know Peter's awful and he abuses Sophie and my character's toast and then I get a call I know Tessa who's like she was our in-house director she's incredible and Jeff who's an on-set producer they kept kind of saying to DJ like this girl's good. You should use her more. You should use. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Keep saying that to DJ. <laughs> and then I guess he must have got annoyed with him or whatever because he FaceTimed. And he said, look, we're thinking about get releasing you from this plot line with Peter. Like you got a divorce. If we can make amends with Sophie, we w- we want to kind of see what it would be like to have you chemistry with David Gentoli's character, Eddie mm. Seville, and see if we could, you know, create some create some stories there. And I was like, uh, great. So they send us some sides. Sides are your audition lines the night before. And then, you know, I mean, I have to be honest with you, Zoom, Zooming a chemistry read is tricks because chemistry is about like what happens between the two people's chemistry. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here we go. Like you do the best you can. That's a lot of the auditions and callbacks are done over Zoom these days. But thank you to David Gentoli, who on the day we'd never met we'd only seen each other read throughs on zoom he said hey Aaron I'm gonna do my best here guys it's a little weird to do a a zoom chemistry read and I just got the sides basically he was taking it all on his shoulder the things that I wanted to say and he was being a gentleman and and saying that all and you know we let her rip did the lines and lo and behold they were happy and then uh, to finally answer your question, this I forget what my question. It was like, what what are the things that I got to do? Yes, every script it was like big meaty stuff, yeah. and like I I stopped drinking. I don't have a big like story about it, but like I I think I was definitely drinking too much. I'm the kind of drinker that if I have a glass of wine and I only drank wine, I want five. Like I'm yeah. like yum, one's yummy. Five's delicious. And then it just got to the point where, you know, I'm in my 40s. I can't deal with what five glasses of wine does to my body as a hangover. So I quit yeah. drinking. I made the decision. I met. A, I also read a wonderful book called This Naked Mind mm. by Annie Grace, which is incredible. Anyway, so I'm two years not drinking alcohol. And this storyline comes up with Anna 
drinking. And I was like, whoa, like art imitating life. And then I actually, Reagan Pasternak, she texts, she's like, Carpy, I just saw your episode. Like, is that weird doing that now that you're sober? And I was like, no, they got the right girl. Like, I, I was yeah. really happy to bring whatever experience I have of that to the table. Because sometimes, like, I've never killed anyone. Sometimes I have to play a murderer. I've never done heroin. Sometimes you have to play heroin, you know. But this, I yeah. did have experience with this. And, you know, so that was huge. Um, I've never dated anyone in a wheelchair. David did tons of research and just kind of navigating a relationship with that. I found very interesting um, to delve into. And then also just, like, social awkwardness of meeting I'm not really that awkward and like socially like I'm a bit I, ca I can be extroverted but like she's very shy meeting his friends and has too much to drink and is doing stuff like that I really like Erica was kind of a lovable loser I love doing the awkward weird stuff like I do not shy away from it I kind of jump into stuff like that and I'm just really happy that DJ gave me the opportunity to kind of go into some like seriously awkward and um there's a lot of shame she carries mm. uh for not knowing that last week's episode i had a big monologue that i give to girls at a support group that sophie hosts with all the other victims of peter and like these little girls little girls i say that they're in their 20s that i didn't know that he was abusing them in our house down the hall yeah. So, like, she carries a lot of this weight. So, yeah, I've it, it's been incredible the amount of stuff that they've given me to play with. Like, it's an actor's dream. I love to hear that. Yeah. What is an Aaron Carpluck role? Like, what needs to be present to get you really excited? I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's pretty much being Erica like yeah. it's somebody that like I call her like a lovable loser because so when I read the script um I didn't quite understand it I was like oh god this girl like she's she's dumb from her lava this is dating us but lava life boyfriend <laughs> she's fired from a dead-end job she goes into anaphylactic shock she's just kind of like at the bottom of the rabbit because hole because she drinks a cup of coffee that has hazelnut syrup in it and Look she's allergic to I was a fan oh my god yeah. that's incredible <laughs> memory you probably remember more than I do um, but I read it and I was like, but the way that I read it on the page, I was like, ugh, she just sounds like a whiny victim of stuff. So I immediately play opposite to that because I don't want to see someone like, eh, poor me, poor me, life's hard. You want to, at least for me when I watch a story, I want to see someone like be resilient and overcome those obstacles. So I chose to read it as a comedy, not as a drama. And I, they cast me in the role and... We do the pilot. Holly Dale was the director. She's amazing. She also read it as a comedy. What we weren't told is that all of CBC, Jana Senior, um, who is the creator of the show, and Ivan and David at Temple Street thought it was drama. They wanted a drama. But they cast, the, the but their lead actress and the director both thought it was comedy. So we shoot the pilot and we it gets picked up and we go to have our cast dinner and Fred Fuchs who was the head up at the CBC for drama at the time he said yeah it's the weirdest thing we we, we tested the show and everyone thought it was a comedy hmm. and Holly and I literally looked across each other at the table and I was like Holly what the fuck like isn't it a I thought it was a comedy she's like I thought it was a comedy so thus was this like lightning in a bottle of what being Erica became and so Janet kept writing a drama I kept doing my thing 
But writers, Whoa, yeah. You're but, blowing my mind right now. But like writers were specifically told, all the writers that came on the show, you cannot write Aaron a joke ever. Like Erica. Erica can never, because Aaron, the actress, will be a ham and like chew up scenery. You have to write it as a drama. Whatever Aaron does, fine. But do not write her a joke. And that was the show. Does that make sense? I'm like speechless. I need to go and watch the whole show again. <laughs> you literally, I mean, I mean, it was a joyful show. It, there was like heavy stuff in there. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I guess like that also explains why, like when I talk about, um, in my intro, I talked about how you handle drama and comedy beats, you know, like sometimes in the same role. I was thinking of Erica when I wrote that. Well, that explains that explains a lot. Okay, okay, Carplug. Uh-huh. What is a what is a type of role mm-hmm. that you have not played yet that you yearn to play? Honestly, it would be. Don't say Erica. <laughs> well, because so I have. I don't like David Rotenberg, who's a fantastic coach. Talks about what your hit is. So he would give you as Sabrina your hit, right? So my hit, I don't come across as high class. I I would love to, but I have not yet got cast in something. Um, oh, my God. I just want to tell him. I, I, I'm not going to die. I, I can tell a story after about Reagan. She got cast in this huge role because I went out for it to play Amy Adams high school friend that was really snooty uppity in um, Sharp Objects. Oh, yeah. So but I remember I got the audition and I was like, I can't do like I'll go in and do it. But I don't come across as high class, whereas Reagan, she can, even though she's not in real life, come across as very, like, she's the blonde of being here. She can yeah. come across as very, like, snooty, high end. And I was like, you need to go out for this. She did. She got it. And she's mm. like, Kirby, Kirby, I owe you lunch. I got the part. And I was like, okay, great, great. So what I would like to do is, like, a high-powered lawyer. Mm. Um, I can handle the dialogue, no problem. I just have to as an artist work on being a little bit more still simple and high uh, class that's something that I would like to work on because I can be all the Erica that's my wheelhouse the stuff that I do but so that's something that I kind of want to strive to you know who you should work with Hmm. to develop that or observe Aaron Sarkin okay your cat, your female cat. Oh, because I mean, think about cats, right? Like, I because I, I look at my cat. I have two cats. My my female cat Vanessa, she is very high class. She, she's Siamese. She's Siamese cat, blue eyes, whatever. Oh. She will sit right down, look me in the eye, lift her leg, and just start licking her butt. And I'm just like, and but she does it, and I'm like, you have such class. You are did, did that with such grace and a sense of self and. You know, so maybe like now that I know that you're a cat owner, yeah, <laughs> you gotta embody the cat. That's you know what that do you know that that's actually an acting tool. That's very is it really? Insightful. Part is to choose an animal and to go after them, like uh, Sir Ben Kingsley in that weird one about a rabbit. There's the oh, what is it called? People listening will know. Sir Ben Kingsley. I think he won an award for it. He played a, a antagonist in this show oh my god anyways he was a serpent he was a snake in it and if you watch him he literally hisses and latches out you can see the animal work he does oh and i didn't even know that was a thing yeah good for you that's wow like it's because all my friends are 
are actors and I'm a cat owner and my cats are like they're so different like maybe for a different kind of role you could be your tripod cat too oh my god you know? oh my oh he yeah. is such a cute I'm gonna do that okay. thank you you're, you're welcome <gasps> and thank then you. you're gonna get that role aren't you whatever that role is you're gonna get that next role I'm gonna call you and I'm yeah. gonna be like hey, guess what <laughs> I am I am Callie the cat on this one Okay. Is that is that your cat's name? She's a she's a, a calico, calico from California. So she's Reagan got me both these cats. Yeah. She does this so it's Callie, and then who's who's the male cat? Dexter, little Dexter. Dexter. Yeah, I've Vanessa and Wade Wilson, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know this because you're not a fan of comic book stuff. But those are the um, there are two characters from Deadpool, and they were from a litter of cats that were all named after Deadpool characters. Uh, I did love I yeah. love Deadpool because he's kind of the antihero. Yeah. I loved it. I've watched yeah. it. A mil- I've watched all the Deadpools. Really like. Yeah. Big fan of Ryan. Big fan of Ryan. And he's a big fan of Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to play some favorite things? I have been dying to play some favorite things. You didn't even know we we're gonna play I favorite things. Completely lying. Yeah. Um, okay. Basically, I ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing, and then you say it. Okay. But don't do what Tomo did. I love Tomo. So Tomo texted me yesterday out of the blue, and he's like, "Hey, pickle." We've lived together, like we've been roommates in our twenties. We LA, we've roommated together. We did Rift World together. We lived together. Blah blah. He's like, hey pickle, um, is Warren Christie, who's another actor, is, is he is he still in town? And I'm like, uh, yeah, they live right next to each other. It's funny. We were just texting yesterday. I haven't heard from That's him. Amazing. Here we calls are. you pickle? Is that a Ukrainian thing? No, ever carp carplock carpickle. My agent calls me pickle. It's just pickle. <laughs> Look at your face right now. You just <laughs> anyways. Tom I don't. Will- I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like it. Carplug. I just. I guess I'm thinking about my mom growing up as Dale Kipperchuk and like people giving you the hard time because your mom's of the name's a- Dale. Dale. My mom's name's Dale. Shut up. Dale Carplug. Dale Kipperchuk. Wait, what? our moms. <laughs> <laughs> Sisters, we kind of are. And my mom was one of seven, and all the kids had a DA name. So there was Daria, Danny, David, Dale, Daryl, Damon, and Daphne. Oh my God. My mom grew up with five sisters on a farm in Saskatchewan, and her dad just wanted boys to run the farm. So by the time my mom popped out at the end, he just named her a boy's name, Dale, because yeah. I was so disappointed. <laughs> My mom, because, you know, she went to school in, like, the, you know, late 50s and 60s, like, they would always divide the class, you know, to do the seating chart by gender, uh-huh. you know, so she'd show up, and uh, they would put her on the boys. On the boys that my, my mom is uh, Mr. Dale Carpluck as a principal. Yeah. Is Mr. Dale Carpluck there? She's like, this is she. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom doesn't, my mom finds power in that. But I'm Sabrina and my sister's Samantha. Like, we got totally, like, super girly girl names, so. I love Anyway, Sabrina. so anyway, Pickle, like, that's fine. I, I just, I want to call you Carpluck. I like Carpluck. Carpluck's good, too. <laughs> like, I'll, own the Carpluck. I answer to Erica, Pickle, Carpickle, K-Pix, Carpluck, Kerplunk. Oh, Kerplunk, I love that. Anyway, back to Tomo. Yes. Don't do what Tomo did, because I was like, okay, it's, fa- it's favorite thing, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, like, what your favorite cartoon character is, and then you tell me. And so what he just did was, like, he would just say the first thing that would ki- come to his mind. Okay. Not his favorite thing. Okay. You know, he's like, he would be like, uh, fa- uh, it was a Rocky or, or Bullwinkle. Uh, I don't know, which, which one is that? And I'm like, wait, you... No, it has to be your favorite. So we're not going for fast. We're going for like actual quanti- quality here. Yeah, like, quality. I gotta think, I gotta but think like, about this. Yeah. Okay. But don't think too long. Okay. I mean, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Although I, I feel like I can. Um, this is my show. I like being told what to do. Shockingly. Okay. Yeah. Favorite midnight snack. I'm addicted to crackers and cheese. That's yeah. 
Yeah, okay, so tell me tell me your crackers, tell me your cheese. Right now I'm doing the almond one. I, I live alone. I'm single and I Hey, shop. you I, live with Callie and Dexter, okay? I, I do. I I don't they're, they're right I'm doing a renovation. They're not with me currently, but they're <laughs> going to be shortly. But I shop at Costco as a single 115 pound woman. I don't know why I shop at Costco, but they have the these almond flour crackers that I'm obsessed with. Ooh. And then I buy the little individual sliced, uh, they're, it's like a white cheddar cheese and they're individually packaged. What? Because when I'm gone for months, I can come home and those suckers are still ready to go in the fridge. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of- Almond flour, can you, does it taste like almond? Oh, it does not. It, they are, I'm a sodium addict. So they're, they're tiny little squares and they're made of almond flour and they're very salty. And I nice. put cheese on them, and I wake up in the morning with puffy eyes yeah. and dry, puffy eyes, and I'm so happy. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a sodium addict, too. I love sodium. I think it's genetic. Yeah. Okay. Favorite karaoke song? Um, It's going to be Bruce Springsteen, no. Dancing in the Dark. That's a good one. I had to, they did this, there's a wonderful movie that's, that's going to come out, and I do audition, and sometimes they ask if you can sing. I do not, but I love this role so much, I gave my best Dancing in the Dark. <laughs> I did not get a call back. <laughs> I did not get even, like, a fart my way. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not a triple threat. Listen, karaoke is for you. Yes. It's how it makes you feel. Yeah. So, and I, I can still do it sober. I was like, oh man, if I stop drinking, am I still gonna like not be able to hit on guys and not? No, that's a that's a myth, people. When you get sober, life is actually funner. It's yeah. it's funner, and I just don't have a hangover the next day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely I had I've wrestled. I know a lot of women, especially who wrestled with that uh, during the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, just like. I mean, I live in the same block as a as a liquor store, mm-hmm. and I would homeschool my kid all day, and uh, you know, try to release episodes over, you know, back then it was Skype. Skype really squandered an opportunity, man. Wow. You know, but then I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get myself some, uh, some, you know, the nudes or the neutrals, yeah. you know, those vodka sodas, and like, they're in a white can, so they're healthy, right? No, they're not. And I would just like, I would drink like five or six at a time, yeah. and then feel really bad, and then be like oh you know a few months went by and I'm like wow I I don't want to do this anymore you like, and millions and millions yeah. of people did that a lot of us yeah. did you know yeah. so I found other things to uh to to lean on um other people yes uh and uh, bread products that oh, was so good well and I, I like I'm at the point in life where I'm like you know I don't gamble. I'm currently single, not having sex. D- try to limit cell phone use. No drugs. No smoking. No like. I'm at this place where I'm like, I- I'm very curious. If you take all those addictive things or those things that like stuff our emotions down, if you take those away, what like when something comes up and I'm like, ugh, I want to have a nap or I want to have a cheese and cracker or what or whatever it is, I'm like. What is that about? Like, what is the feeling underneath that? And yeah, if you're hungry, eat the freaking cracker. If you're tired, take the nap. If you want to scroll, sure. But I just am very leery of, um, and I'll have some THC. Like, I'm not sober, sober, sober. But but I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, is it to escape and run from something? Or is it because I generally, it's coming from a place of love where, like, my friends are all having cocktails. Maybe I'll just have a 2.5 milligram gummy and, like, giggle with whatever that is. But, like, so I, I just try to... And I think the pandemic really, you know, people gained weight, people drank too much alcohol, but some people then 
rebounded and like started meditating, started exercising, started cooking new hobbies, communicating more with their partner, whatever. So it's it's interesting these things yeah. that we fill our voids with. Well, yeah, I think it 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 showed us what's essential. Yeah, you know, and for me, it's I mean, it's my family, it's my yeah. friends, and it's this work. You know, oh, and, and being of service, yes. you know, like what I'm trying to do, you know, with my charity efforts, right, with uh, for Ukraine this year, for India last year with the, their COVID disaster that they had. Um, okay, I got a couple more questions for you. I love it. And then I want to, after the, I need to get all that information from you because that's phenomenal. Good for you. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So I'm trying to be in my favorite things voice. Favorite hot beverage? I mean, I just feel like I've passed that moment in life where I have a Vitamix and I just got a Breville. Mm. The Bay Days just happened. So I got, (laughs) I mean, I still got it on deal from the Bay Days, but I got a white, I'm doing a renovation, I got a white Breville. So my favorite hot beverage is just an Americano. Nothing in it, just an Americano. It's why I I get up in the morning. I love it. Black is my soul. I love it. Yes. It's why I go We're to really bed at night and why. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, it's Sestre. Ukraina. Okay. Mm. Ooh. Okay, I'm not going to ask this one because you talked about Mexico. How about this one? Favorite trash television show? The Bachelor. Hands I love down. you. Didn't even breathe. Like, you just were like, yeah. Okay, so I. All the way. I've never watched The Bachelor. That's okay. You saved a lot of time in your yeah. life. <laughs> What's the appeal? Because it comes up. People mention it all the time. It's, I mean, so Reagan and all my girls in LA, it, for us, it was a reason to get together, to drink the wine, to have the chocolates, to like kind of, you know, do a girly have, like for them, they, a lot of them have kids to get together. Mm. But I would watch it on my, I haven't, I didn't watch a lot. I didn't watch Michelle's season and she was going to be one of my favorites for sure. But life happens. Um, I think I like it because, I mean, yes, it's reality. You've got, there's a lot of pushing and pulling going on behind the scenes, but it's not scripted. So uh, just to watch these people fumble and navigate dating Hmm. is fascinating to watch as humans. I like watching what the girls wear. You always got the, the wild cards in there creating drama that's cringy. And ultimately, I'm a sucker for love. Like, I love mm. love. And I love, you know what's better than Bachelor? Sorry, is Bachelor in Paradise, which is all mm. the the rejected people from Bachelor. They stick them on an island with a bar, and that's where the real shit really happens. And then I love that you love to watch people drink. You don't drink yourself. Yeah. But, but you'll watch, watch people it. on TV. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, yeah. part, that's part of what they sign up for. There you go. Yeah. Um, did you watch 90 Day Fiance? I, um... Is that the one where they can't see each other? Or is that the blind fiance? That's the bl- uh, no. The ninety day fiance is. I think it, it's like because everybody's been talking about it, but I don't watch it. But I hear people I talk about it. it. But it's it's like uh, people who are they get engaged so that uh, the fiance can stay in the country. <gasps> okay. Yeah, you should look it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another one to add to the list. I try. I can't recommend it, but because I don't watch. I don't watch. Right. I don't watch. I mean, my main thing I've been watching is like news clips from um, BBC World and Al Jazeera. Fair enough. I've been like just. I'm like. I'm, I can't watch anything. It's been awful, actually. I can't watch anything, other unless it's for work. Yeah. I'm just like I just want to watch. Like I, I, I feel like I need to bear witness to what's going on. Yeah. But then it's like, is it bearing witness? I'm just watching news after news after news after news story. It's you know? it's up to you, and it's a lot. It was like you know, 
pandemic, COVID, Black Lives Matter, war, the, the, the election, like it's how much you want to get invested. It's that I, I let wow, we've really been through a lot. Do whatever. The last There's been of years. certain things where I've consciously shut myself off from it and will give myself a a, a particular outlet to read from that I find reputable and yeah. also a time limit. And then sometimes I also just shut it off because no matter what I do, I can't affect whether. Trump or Biden, whatever the case is. Whatever right? the yeah, thing was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, ge- we're going to end with time travel. Ooh. Right? Good one. Right. Good one. Okay. If you could go back in time mm-hmm. to that girl in the car, your first day on the set, mm-hmm. you know, and you've, you've, you've gone through that day. You're getting in the car, you got your hands in the steering wheel, and you're like, fuck, I want to do this forever. If you could go back and see her mm-hmm. and for a minute and give her some advice oh. or, or, or words of encouragement or, or anything, what would you say? Don't worry so much. I think that's a big one. Just yeah. don't worry so much. It doesn't get you anywhere. And I still don't. That's something that I grapple with, like with worry, like, so what do they say? Depression is from the past. For me, it's more worry about the future, worrying about my parents, worrying about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it doesn't solve a goddamn thing. Mm. If you can just be in the moment. Like, yes, there's things that you have to plan for and prepare for. However, like the amount of my life that I've spent worrying about outcomes I have zero control over. Mm. It's just wasted time. And yeah, what would I tell? I would say don't worry so much. Be easy on yourself. And trust yourself. Because I, for I think my 20s and 30s, a lot of weight is put in, a lot of people is, is put on the external. Yeah. External validation from society, how society feels we should operate on. If Joe Blow likes me, if Annie What's Her Tooth likes me, if... I get this job, then I'm this, all this, if I have this car, if I, if I'm blah, blah, externals, just kind of to go inward and trust yourself and know that like whatever's happening within you is all you're ever going to have, all you're ever going to need. Cause when we come into this world, we come in by ourselves and we leave alone. So to really become your own best friend, cause you're not going to be the best mom. You can be the best partner to be the best actor. You can be the best podcast. You can be if you are not at peace with yourself. So that that's what I would tell her in just over a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ramble, Erin. You ramble. You don't ramble. ramble you don't carplek. That's I that's all I want to call you. Because I, I I love that name. I it's love that name. last name and you'd be proud of that last name. Thank you. Thank you. Mary Steenbridge and thanks so Yeah. <laughs> it's been a goddamn pleasure. Ah. So Aaron Carplek, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the socials? I'm pretty easy. I'm just Aaron Carplek on all the socials. That's my handle on ins- I love Instagram. I'm kind of I'm kind of shitty at Twitter. Twitter I'm doing a lot of a million little things stuff, but just at Aaron Carplek on Twitter, on Instagram, which I love promoting nature on Instagram as well. And then just Aaron Carplek on Facebook. If people okay. are still into Facebook. I don't know. Um on your Instagram account, are there pictures of Callie and Dexter? I don't have a lot on there because they've been away from me. Yeah. And can I be honest with you? 
I have my last please, little please. thing here. I mean, are we just starting honesty now? Like, so <laughs> let's get to it. I, uh, you know, as an actor, you put yourself out there. People can comment, bully, do all the stuff. I've been very fortunate. I haven't had a lot of personal attacks on me. Mm. Uh, when I do, I ignore them or block, restrict, whatever you do. I did post a picture of Callie. She's a calico. She's an interesting looking girl. I think she's beautiful. She was yawning and I thought it was a really beautiful picture. But, you know, her teeth are out. Her whiskers are up. It's... Uh, someone commented that is the ugliest cat I've ever seen I've never like someone could say you look like someone said you look like Blair Witch you're so ugly you look like Blair Witch I don't even the thing is you fucking dare they it's it's your cat you don't even know what Blair Witch looks like so I'm like maybe she's really pretty This. so if they say it about me I'm like whatever you fucking say my cat is ugly I blocked that guy I restricted him I was really upset and so I kind of just That's like I guess really some upsetting. people don't post pictures of their kids. I don't post some of my cats very much. I know. What a hideous human being. And I had to let it go. And she's beautiful. She's, of course I mean, she's beautiful. I had the beholder man. Maybe some people might not think so, but she's my girl and I love her. I I th- listen. I I've I have never met and I've seen some freaky looking cats but yeah. I've never met an ugly cat and I I've know. never met an ugly dog know. you know because their hearts are good yeah Oh yeah. my god! But I you hate know what? that guy. You've inspired me because I'm going to use Callie to become a lawyer in my next part. Yeah, because that's the animal work. I am going to post them as soon as they're back home with me after I get back from Toronto in two weeks. Okay, so two weeks and a day from now. Although we're not releasing today, <laughs> but you know, very soon you will be able to see photos of Callie and Dexter. Oh, you're Yay. just delightful. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This is a great way to spend my afternoon. Yeah, delighted. Thank you. I thank think you. so. All right, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Please like subscribe leave us a review if you are so inclined they help us find even more listeners and we can keep having rad conversations like the one that we just had today you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvrscreenscene or at sabrinarp sabrinarp is where the magic happens the yvr screenscene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina ronnie Furminger. i am the only one to blame and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger, Devlet, but you are a Furminger in our hearts, Dane, for the original music. Waviar Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. Hey, filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra low budget program which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.